0: this room has a hearing loop if you need hearing assistance switch your hearing aids to the telecoil mode if you need a headset we have those available as well please see the clerk to request one Um, as you may know the board and most of the other committees always have words of inspiration the transportation land use committee has useless information to start off the meeting just to kind of break the trend so our evening's useless information is the notion of the byline that when a reporter writes the report, there is a byline that came from General Joseph Hooker um, during his two big battles were Antietam and Chancellorsville, and he insisted that all reporters that traveled with his army sign their name to their to their reports. He said, if they're going to lie about me, at least everybody can know who they are. General William Tecumseh Sherman, when notified that three reporters were in a battle and had been killed. Quoted, was quoted as saying, "Then we shall have news from hell by morning." Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United
1: States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation
2: under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: Well, thank you everybody for coming tonight. Uh, we have an interesting agenda, I think, and it should it should move right along. And uh, our dinner tonight is meat, not the vegan portobello whipped feta cheese sandwich I was offered last night. There's real meat in the room, so we will have that after we finish our meeting. Um, First up is a discussion of the transfer of development rights program. I'd like to invite Mayor Littleton, the Middleburg mayor, forward to the table for his presentation and ask staff to support him as needed. Uh, Just some intro to this, Um, I attended a summit that was hosted by um, Mayor Littleton some couple of weeks ago, I guess, and um, he did this presentation on transfer development rights. Um, It's an excellent presentation. It's really good food for thought. We'll open it to discussion after the the presentation. Um, I would like to caveat it at the beginning. There are a number of facts and figures and a bunch of data in this briefing um we have no reason to, to consider it anything other than accurate i just want to give, make the caveat this is not a county briefing this is this is mayor littleton's briefing and it's his data we haven't checked it or verified it but um it is his briefing it's not a county briefing so with that mayor littleton you have the floor thank you for joining us
3: supervisor turner uh, madam chair members of the board uh county administrator planning staff thank you guys for allowing us to um Run run through this presentation with you. Uh, With me is uh, a member of our town council. His name is Chris Bernard. Uh, Chris and I were the ones who chaired and hosted um, this uh, summit, which was on April 11th, which you know sort of culminated in the day to uh, go through this idea around a transfer of development rights program. to sort of uh, put a quick thumbnail on supervisor turner's comment um the data here is all data that was gathered from uh you know county websites or gis mapping but our staff put it all together um and uh so it's is uh i would not take it as accurate to the uh 100 square feet but you know, larger than that. I mean, we did a really good job of being as detailed as we could, counting parcel by parcel, adding acreages up, and, and things like that. So, um, and at a high level, you know, this is not meant to be. Uh, if the county wanted to do a TDR program of this fashion, the ready-to-go product, right? This is a um, directional. Uh, document on where things could go based on where we currently stand and where uh, you know economic development plans to go where the county 's looking at going um, and uh, it's it, our hope here is that um, the opportunity is self evident and that it 's worthy of the right level of detailed work that folks in really smart folks in planning and land use can do to take it and, and make it a product that that could be something the county embarks on so um, we've had very, very good responses from, uh, I mean, the economic development community, the housing community, the data center community, and the preservation community on their, they really feel that there is a good there, there, here. So, <laughs> it's an interesting one. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, we're we're very proud of the work, and you know we're continuing to have multiple conversations with organizations and groups uh, about this, and you know we will we will continue to spend effort and time to make it better and better. So again, thank you for the time to allow us to present it, and uh, with that, we'll get started. So next slide, um, and you know uh, some of these slides I will go through very quickly because. Th- need not be told to you what the basis of it is. Uh, I wanna be as efficient with your all's time as possible. So, uh, you know, right here, this was, you know, level setting our our, uh, summit when we were handling it. Uh, You know, Loudon, it's a great place to live, work and play. Uh, We got a lot of great things. We got a lot of challenges and
4: And, I'm sorry. And learn.
3: And learn. (laughs) And yes, exactly um and uh and always make better so um you know but the the two things i would i would highlight on this slide is you know we do have challenges right we have a lot of infrastructure needs we we need to attack the capital needs assessment has a lot of things that need to be addressed uh those have to be funded those need land um we want to preserve our farming community um and we want to make sure that Loudon remains a beautiful tourism destination which is a great you know uh feather in our cap you know uh, not compared by anybody else in the state. Next slide. Okay, next slide. So data centers, uh, huge benefit to the county. Uh, there's no need to even you know, go into the details on this. They've, they've been a great uh, source of revenue and, and advantages for the county in a lot of ways. Next slide. But they come with their challenges. Uh, the challenges are you know, they are visually unappealing. They are consuming large portions of land in Eastern Loudoun. Uh, land which is, you know, becoming, which is driving up the price. Uh, It's disproportionately affecting land values, which is putting in a a huge crunch on affordable housing, something that, you know, I know Chair Randall and I have talked about this a lot. Supervisor Bussington and I've talked about this a lot. It's, 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 I I, I think that the county is right. And this is a the number one crisis that we're facing. Um, Mixed-use industrial is now beginning to squeeze. Schools, right, how much is the county spend, spending for every school site that they need? And then the amenities, you know, where are the amenities gonna come from to provide to our most populated areas? Um, and it's consuming huge amounts of water and power. There's environmental concerns there, and then they have their own challenges. Um, uh, I, I love that that picture there because that's, Uh, The I I call it the HOA of HOA associations. Ben Kiefler is on their board and he actually lives there Uh, So, you know, that's 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 a tough sight when you wake up every morning. Uh, Okay. Next slide Uh, Next slide Uh, And just go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. So again, no need to stress how important our rural agritourism uh, 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 Economy is Uh, the map there on the left shows where the prime uh, farmland is and secondary uh, farmland, which is really key to having a thriving uh, agritourism and um, farming community. If we lose those lands uh, through poor planning, they don't ever come back. So those are assets we really have to focus on preserving and you know, we can see where they are. So next slide. And oh, by the way, as we go through this, if you have questions at all, please, by all means, throw them at us. Um, some of this data is a couple years old, but it's you know what we have that's um, uh, 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 the most up to date uh, uh, as of now. Uh, Agriculture as a $500 million industry in Loudon County alone, it supports over 20,000 jobs. Um, while Western Loudon is rural in nature, only about 35% of that acreage is actually the prime ag soil. So you're talking about 80,000 acres of the 227,000. Uh, on the right there, you can start to see. Uh, the threat to that acreage, and it's a real threat. So the the rate of loss from 07 to 2012, a five-year period was 5%. Between 2012 and 2017, it doubled. Same thing with the loss of farms. Um, So if we're losing 10% at that current rate, you know, pretty soon, you you can add up the math, uh, we're gonna lose this golden treasure that we have. Um, Next slide. Uh, And I think just go ahead and hit the, there you go. Um, I will not go through this. The point of this slide to the people in the community was when we talk about cluster development and, and how cluster development has an impact on rural land, we wanted to make the point, it's, it's not this. This is not what we're talking about that's the threat to Western Loudoun. Hit the next slide. It's this, right? It's cluster developments that are, you know, sparsely populated out from each other, but the ideal place to put those, and I, again, not uh, um, making... Uh, uh, bad out of anybody who's a developer, right? They're good, hardworking people doing what they're permitted to do within the zoning rules to create a quality product and to sell it, right? But the most advantageous land that will perk is prime agricultural soil. So there's no wonder that that is where they would wanna put a cluster. Uh, And again, it's totally permitted, uh, which is fine. Um, So go to the next slide. So this is, a a a really sort of um interesting slideshow of what the real threat is um and this again comes from the county's geohub uh uh maps and so you look at loudon county right now everything that's in that light green is where land is in current currently in conservation easement and as chris miller said at the summit loudon has done and the people in loudon have done a phenomenal job at putting a lot of land in conservation easement i mean we're one of the highest amount of you know rural land that's in conservation easement but that's also always got to be relative because we actually have a very large county uh that has a very large rural west so when you look at it as a percentage you know it's actually still a small percentage so um go to the next slide okay so in the ar north uh uh zoning district These are the plots of land which are currently vacant that are larger than 20 acres, which means a cluster development could be done on it. So every one of those black dots stand today is a clusterable lot by right Hit the next one. Those are the ones in AR South, which is 40 acres or more that could be clustered. And again, these are vacant lots, so not built, but are buildable. Next slide. Those are the ones that have been improved. So if you think about that, that is where the the development has happened. So, um, and that's the, the current existing ones in AR North. If you go to the next slide, those are the ones in AR South.
4: I'm sorry, did you say improved or approved? Improved. I don't know what you mean by that
3: so um, and I'm gonna uh, call a from a, I'm gonna phone a friend um, right it already has at least one house on it one house or more so it is it is um, already under some Not form of demand exactly exactly it's developed land um, so if you take the next slide uh, or actually if you go back one um, so As it stands today, when you look at the purple, the blue, and the black, those are the lots, this is not individual houses, this is lots, that are clusterable, that are clustered, have one existing home or more on them, or could be clusterable, okay? And that's, again, today, existing zoning by right. But, and again, I wanna give a a lot of credit to Ms. Walsh-Copeland, she looked at all of the lots that are in loudon county where there are adjoining lots that have a common owner and if that common owner consolidated the lot it would now either reach 20 acres for ar north or 40 acres for ar south which would then become automatically a clusterable lot so if you add that to the mix next slide those are the reds so those are the red. So in the future, those common owners, you know, by right could consolidate their lot and now get over 20 or over, over 40 and could, do, could then do a cluster, cluster development. Um, and then the next one here, next slide. Those are the ones that are already the existing residential HOA communities. Okay, so again, these are lots, not individual housing units. But I think it does demonstrate that there is a real threat to those prime ag soils. So when you go to the, or or excuse me, to to rural rural Loudon in general. So you go to the next slide. Um, And uh, uh, tap it one more time. Thank you. So um, that really sort of tells the story between what's in Geohub and, you know, if, again, you consolidated those lots, what it could look like if the, if the owners did that. And interestingly, when you look at the line-level data, a lot of those lots are actually owned by, you know, LLCs or companies. It's not an act, you know, it's not Joe and Jane Smith. Um, go to the next slide. One more time. Right. So at the end, you know, that shows that the, the, the risk and the threat is, is a real one. Okay. Um, next slide. Okay, data centers. Now, this map here comes from Buddy Riser's report from the Loudoun County Economic Development in 2022, where they looked at, uh, you know, potential development for future data centers. As you read his report, uh, the report states that the ideal amount of data center square footage in Loudoun County is 50 million square feet. Um, THAT WAS SORT OF THEIR their PREMISE, THAT THAT WOULD BE, IN THEIR ESTIMATION, THE RIGHT BALANCE. SO WE, IN OUR ANALYSIS, JUST just TOOK AND ASSUMED THAT, OKAY, LET'S SAY 50 MILLION IS THE RIGHT NUMBER. WHERE ARE WE NOW? WHERE DO WE GO? AND HOW DO WE GET THERE THE MOST um, EFFICIENT WAY POSSIBLE? SO TO DATE, THERE'S ABOUT 30 MILLION SQUARE FEET OF DATA CENTERS THAT ARE EITHER BUILT AND OR UNDER DEVELOPMENT. so that leaves a, a delta of 20 million square feet that the county would look towards placing those data centers you know, somewhere in, in Loudoun County. Um, if you break it out, um, the purple areas are where data centers currently are, um, existing or are in development, that's about 4,600 acres. The green in Buddy's report is where data centers could go, but they haven't yet based on place type. Red is where they could go, Um, but the county has said they shouldn't be going there. That's not the right location. And the yellow is they can't go now, but it should be considered. And you see the acreage breakout uh, for each one of those. Next slide. Um, Actually go back, yeah, right there. Okay, so let's break it down by the numbers. If today we have achieved 30 million square feet of data centers and we've done that with about 4,600 acres, it means that we're on average utilizing about 6,500 square feet of data center space per acre. Uh, so that would be the whole lot, right? So if somebody bought a 100-acre lot, they're gonna end up putting about um, 6,500 square feet of data center per acre. You know, Now again, there's the uh, lot coverage ratio they can't exceed, there's setbacks they can't exceed, but but that's at a, at a total uh, square, square value number. Um, and so if, if each acre has 43,000 square feet in it, you know we're using about 14% of the total land set aside for the data center to actually do, do the, the square footage. Two things drive that, lock coverage ratio and floor area ratio. Um, so when we look at PDIP and PDOP, and again, we're, we're in the middle of the ZOR right now, so those numbers may or may not change. Um, uh, lock coverage ratio is about four, is uh, between the two of those is about four about 0.4 by right, and the uh, FAR is about 0.6 by right. I think in one of them it's 0.6, the other one's 0.65, uh, and the height limitation is is 60 feet. Okay, next slide. Um, in the, and that's in the purple zones. So that's how it has been uh, done up to date in the green zones. This is again where data centers could go by place type under the new comp plan, but have not gone yet. There's about 10,000 acres in those green parcels today. Um, again, it doesn't mean that they're going to go there, but they are allowed, and that would be a, a board decision. These are large areas of prime suburban policy area land. Um, a lot of them are located near industrial areas. So the areas where that is the case, that's that's good. Um, but they're also uh, uh, intermixed and adjacent to a lot of residential areas. That's not good, um, especially if you already live there. Um, And this land, if it was totally utilized for data centers, it would basically double the amount of of acreage. So again, I know that's not the county's plan, but on the maps, that's where the ideal prime area for consideration is. Um, Next slide. Okay. The red areas are where data centers are allowed by right right now, but again, the county has determined that those are not ideal places for them to go. Uh, it's too close to residential areas. It's the Route 7 corridor. Uh, I think you guys had a had a hearing about this, you know, within the last month, talking about this concern. So we totally agree. Um, that's about 2,500 acres, uh, and that's a different challenge that the board is faced with. And the yellow area is again transition policy area. It's about 2,300 acres. Um, the uh it's not approved data centers are not approved in the TPA uh but um a buddy's report said it should be considered as a place that would uh, uh sh- you know could be could be opened in the future especially because there's power and water close by there um, okay next slide um okay so if the county wants to achieve 20 million square feet of additional data center space and all that the um the data center folks can can do is utilize the current existing zoning of zero four lot coverage ratio zero six FAR. Um, it's going to need a significant uh, uh, additional amount of land to, to be able to achieve that. Um, excuse me. Um, what you could do, and what the county should be looking at, you know, outside of just the TDR program as a way to achieve this is, if you allowed the data centers to have a higher FAR. And if you allow them to build up, you could get the same amount of square footage of floor area with using less overall land. Now, again, that only works if again, if the number is 50 million, the number is 50 million. You stick to the 50 million, right? You can't uh, say, well, we'll we'll allow these data centers to use more land, so now we can go to 75 million. You're, you, that's just that's continuing to to push the balloon. Um, uh, the other result, if you're able to do this, is uh, you, can, you can take out or off the table, putting them closer proximity to residential and viewshed corridors. You would have to, you, you could limit uh, the, the need to extend water and power because you're not having to use as many acres to achieve it. Um, and you'll save acres, uh, acreage in the east for those other more important needs like affordable housing school zones mixed-use industrial uh, cna needs parks things like that so the question is how do we allow the more efficient use of data center property uh, in the east to relieve some of the pressure that's being caused by how they currently build them Um, next slide and so when we looked at this i don't know if you guys saw that animation um, uh, when we looked at this, we basically said, if you did it uh, a certain way, and we'll go through that, could you confine the data centers, uh, again, achieving the 50 million square feet to one specific area? And again, uh, a lot of work has to be done on this with county planning to make sure it works right, but you could almost confine the remaining amount of data centers that the, to, to achieve 50 million square feet, 50 million square feet in that purple area that's outlined in orange in the middle so the other areas which you know are on the table for consideration of data centers you wouldn't need to penetrate into those areas Um, okay next slide Um, so here's how the numbers sort of whoops So here's how the numbers kind of break out. Uh, Again, using the current utilization rate um, on data centers to to land, you would need an additional 3,100 acres of land to accommodate the 20 million square feet of data center. Again, that's as we're currently, or we have done it up to this point. If you increase the FAR from 0.6 to 0.8, you need 775 less acres to achieve that 20 million square feet. If you increase it to 1.0, you'd need 1,200 less acres to achieve uh, the same amount of of 20 million square feet. And if you increase it to 1.2, obviously you'd save half the land. So you'd only need 1,550 acres and you'd save 1,550 acres. Next slide. So um, more efficient, effective utilization of data center land could really be an advantageous thing for the county to look at. Uh, and take some of the, the, the value and, and pressures off of, of uh, the, the state we currently find ourselves in. So how do we do this? Next slide. As uh, my grandfather always used to say, um, free lunches are way more expensive than it used to be. Um, so should this be something that, that we look to um, a, a TDR program that could uh, make this happen in a private sector, non-government funded approach? Uh, next slide. Okay. Um, I, I won't go through this. You all know how TDRs work, right? You have a sending area, you have a receiving area. Somebody buys a development right or uh, um, a better utilization right um, from one person and transfers it to the sending to the receiving area, and then that person gets cash money for giving up their building right uh, for the place that you want to protect um everybody thinks you know they, they the land gets put in conservation easement it's actually not a conservation easement it's it's a deeded restriction that they give up the development right the net effect is the same thing the sending area gives up its right to build anything on it in the future um and what's interesting about loudon county and actually about virginia uh is that a traditional tdr program is trades housing density in one area for housing density in another area. Virginia code also authorizes a county to have a TDR program which transfers housing density in a sending area for additional FAR or lot coverage ratio increase in a receiving area for industrial uses. I mean, it's almost like this code provision was tailor made uh, for Loudon County, uh, I believe it was added to the to the state code in in 2015. Um, next slide, and that's the code provision. Um, you know, you it's readily available. Okay, next slide. Um, okay, so we take our easement map and we take the Loudon County Economic Development maps. If you hit next, overlay the two. Uh, and you know see uh, what this would look like. So the first thing that the, a TDR program would do is you'd identify the sending areas hit the next slide. So again, these are notional. Uh, this is not actually uh, you know what it should be or could be. That would be through all the hard work. Uh, I will I do want to give um, uh, Charles Judd a, a, a big shout out. Um, one of the things he pointed out was as you define the sending areas, if there are high target areas that you wanna to prioritize to get targeted first, they get an additional amount of FAR that you could get if you buy there. You know, so maybe somebody gets 1.2 for one sending area and only 1.0 for the other sending area. Clearly, the economics would drive the folks to buy those first, which I thought was a great suggestion um, to, to make something like that work. Um, the next thing you do is identify the sending areas, or excuse me, the receiving areas. So hit the next slide. So those yellow diamonds define where the county would, you know, potentially could define the sending areas where a data center operator would get additional FAR if they bought that density credit from those areas in the west. And you can define the sending areas. So it's not that you would take away someone's data center right, but you'd say, hey, if you're gonna build here, you get standard FAR, it's 0.6. And you can't even get an increase, don't even come and ever ask us. But if you wanna go buy a development right from somebody else, you can, and it would be a buy right thing for them. I know that's the data center guys have said one of their biggest concerns is whenever they come in for, for FAR or lock coverage ratio, it's a legislative process, it's uncertain, it's timely, it's expensive. So you define the sending areas as where you want to allow those credits to go and they cannot go anywhere else. So you can target where you incentivize the data center development to happen. Um, and hit hey, the next slide. The data center folks would pay, next slide. The, uh, uh, hit One more time, would, would pay the landowners in the West for those development rights market rate would drive this so there's no price setting there will you know just like conservation easements today there will be brokers who broker the deal that everybody gets a win um it's a private transaction and no government money be involved next slide so here would be the win-win hit the next slide so over time and i would think you know hopefully it would be very quickly uh, especially since these are driven by the market Um, the data center folks would buy those development rights the development rights would be extinguished in these sending areas and the data centers would focus their development in the areas that would be most financially attractive for them you take it out of the view sheds you put it in the industrial areas all through incentives not through um, harming or limiting anybody Um, greater areas of eastern loudon could be freed up for things that are suffering under data center uh, development pressure right now um it should you know relax land prices uh to help address affordable housing mixed-use industrial the cna amenity needs Um, and again you can concentrate data centers purely in the areas that you want them and um so hit the next slide so then do we start to look at these other areas and take them off the table or make them uh you know it's it's less and less attractive for those to get developed, and the county still achieves, again, let's say the baseline is 50 million square feet, where you wanna go. Next slide. Perfect. At the end of the day, though, it always comes down to the numbers. Uh, Again, this is our calculation of what we think is possible. Um, Does not mean that this is ground truth. Uh, It's, again, directional. So. Again, taking the baseline, if you have a 0.6 FAR, in order to achieve that 20 million square feet, you're gonna need about 3,100 acres of data center. Um, If you uh, look at that over time on what the current land value is, I know it's more than 2.5 million, but let's just use a baseline of 2.5 million. Over to acquire that amount of land, that's $7.7 billion of spend to acquire those 3,100 acres um that's a lot of money and so if you and i'll just uh uh, go to the second one here if you allow uh, a tdr program where they could go up to a 0.8 far um, and let's say the extinguishing of a development right per acre is twenty thousand dollars all right so a person in the west has 10 acres And if they want to extinguish their development rights per acre, they could get $200,000 for doing that. Um, The total value of that land, um, if you only needed to use 2,300 acres, is $5.8 billion, which would be a net savings of $1.9 billion. We made the assumption that the data center guys would like to put half of that savings in their pocket. right? There needs to be goodness for them as well. Um, if you did that, um, that would result in $968 million, which would be available for the purchase of the development rights in the West. Again, if you used a $20,000 value per acre to extinguish those development rights, this has the potential of taking out of development 48,000 acres. That is meaningful, that is real that's basically two-thirds of the prime agricultural soils that are still in existence in loudon county today if you took that one step further and basically allowed data center uh, folks to double their far again all in the right ways the numbers right there speak for themselves you'd save 1500 acres that's 1.9 billion dollars of savings on the table from the avoidance of land acquisition if you only put half of that towards um Uh, TDRs, there's the potential to save 96,000 acres. Um, So again, are these hard, fast, true numbers? No, Uh, this is a uh, a directional um, uh, computation. Uh, But again, if the data center uh, uh, community is allowed to realize 50% of the savings and maybe the market only allows them to realize 30% of the savings because brokers will be very good at getting top dollar for the development value. It's it's real and it's meaningful. So I think that's it. Next slide. Yep. Um, so that's what we presented. And again, at a very high level, uh, that's, that's where everything is. And as our town attorney, Martin says, I, we stand ready to answer any questions.
0: Thank you, Mayor Littleton. We, that was excellent, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to staff. Thank you, Ms. Walsh-Copeland for your support. I know you put a lot of work into this as well. Um, I'd like to go to a committee of the whole without objection uh, so we can ask questions, but I wanna, I wanna lay out some additional uh, uh, foundational arguments for the, for the discussion, some, some things that even have evolved since I talked with Mayor Littleton on this, uh, this concept. So the broad concept is you have people who want something in the east, people who uh, are willing to give something in the west, the sending area and the receiving area. Um, We're running out of acreage in the east. What the demand now is for as we run out of acreage is floor area ratio for data centers in the east. However, we don't want data centers anywhere in the east. There are areas we don't want data centers and areas we're okay with data centers. Um, And the notion here is that if you have a commodity that someone wants and you have a commodity that someone uh, is willing to sell, then you've got a, a potential for an exchange or a transfer. Um, the basic concept that's presented here is, is, is inter- and I'm taking a personal point here because I do want to set these, frame- these framework ideas. I've thought this through quite a bit and, and it'll advance the discussion, I think. Um, the key here is this is a tool by which we can say, if you own data center land in eastern Loudoun County that is here, you don't get to use the TDR program. If you own data center land along Route 7, you don't get access to the TDR program. You wanna increase your FR, you gotta come for legislative approval. But if you own data center land where we're okay with data centers, in data center alley, for example, then you can expand the size and the height of your data center, the floor area and the height of your your data center, simply by going through an application process and purchasing that additional far from a a landowner in the west the permutation that i hadn't considered and i had a trusted colleague approach me about a week ago and say yeah except the west is getting benefited and the east is not we're getting more and bigger and taller data centers in the east to save the west interesting concept. I had never actually thought about it in that frame of reference because a TDR program by definition means you have the the economy and the community wants increased density over here, you want less density over here, and so you're willing to trade density, the, the potential for density over here to areas where you're okay with more density. But that's not necessarily the situation we have here. So I began to ask myself, is there a way this program could even be fine-tuned additionally to an, an additional feature in that we could benefit the East and or the West with a TDR program? So, for example, let me give you an example. What if we expanded the program and had a category of purchase whereby a data center in data center alley wanted to increase FAR in a data center there, and they could buy the data center development rights along Route 7 as the sending area. So you create a subset sending area in Eastern Loudoun to even more incentivize shaping Eastern Loudoun by allowing them to buy initial floor area ratio in areas where we wanna keep parkland, along the Goose Creek, along Route 7. They become eligible for the TDR program. And the way you could mix that is by pricing, I would assume. Um, you could have various incentives and you'd want to get a balance to where buying land in the west roughly costs the same value as buying the areas in the east that we would like to protect it's very complicated I haven't thought it all, thought it all through yet but with a PDR program which is basically we buy development rights from from the west um, doesn't it, it's it's basically neutral everybody's taxpayer dollars get used but it's basically neutral for eastern London County but what a TDR program really gets interesting is when we can really begin to shape the data center growth in eastern Loudoun County to the benefit of eastern Loudoun County and western Loudoun County by buying those development, right? So that's a, that's a twist to this program that occurred to me since I talked to Bridge, and, and it's, it can enter into the discussion. There's a whole lot that needs to go into this, but, but I wanted this introduced primarily so that everybody understands. There is a tool here. We have a comparative advantage market. We have something somebody wants, and something somebody's willing to sell. That means we can work a deal here. We just got to figure it out. It's complex. So with that, I'll shut up. Go to committee of the whole, and please feel free to ask your questions. Lights on. Supervisor Glass, you were first to get yours on.
5: Thank you, Chair Turner. So, so my question is: Are we talking about changing the the? Is that a zoning ordinance change? What we're talking about? When we're talking about you know the the program with um, the TDR and, and, um, making sure that, you know, certain areas, um, for example, on route seven, aren't used for data centers and they're able to use that, that program to preserve that area for a particular area. Um, you know, not to, not to build in, in, in that certain area.
0: I'm gonna defer to staff on this. How how would you fit a TDR program, where would it fit? Would it fall into the zoning ordinance? So at a high level, you um, would have
6: to amend the zoning ordinance in order to allow the transfer to take place. By state code, you also have to identify the sending and receiving areas in the comprehensive plan as well. Um, The specifics of how much you have to change in either case are gonna depend on the kind of program you wanna institute. If there's a lot of sending and receiving areas, the number of districts that you would have to modify and the zoning ordinance um, would increase and things of that nature. So it could be small or it could be a very big project depending on how much you want to change and where those areas are located geographically.
5: Okay, and, and um, when you're talking about the FAR and it was 1.0 or 1.2, um, uh, that was my concern for, uh, I'm, I'm thinking particularly in broad run where you know, we could, we have a 100-feet-high data centers along, you know, Route 7 or Loudon County Parkway. I, I think that's my concern, what I have there.
0: And, and again, you would select where you want to make the, that parcel eligible for the TDR program. So if you, have a, if you have a data center along Route 7 or you have a data center next to an existing residential area, they would not be eligible for the TDR program because you don't want a 100-foot-high data center and you certainly don't want it by right where they don't have to come to us for legislative approval. But there are other areas where you would say, if you're gonna build a, a, a giant data center and you wanna protect some other parcel in Loudoun County to do it, and you wanna do it in this location where you're already surrounded by other data centers, we're okay with that.
5: So um, one more question. Yeah. So the suggestion for um, the, the, the certain areas of where you had the diamonds that looked like it was near um, Dulles Airport, it
3: it was uh we chose and again that's just notional right inside 606 to to the airport property line so sort of east of 606 you know that just that's all industrial right now it's where all the power lines are it just sort of made natural sense um you can't put houses there because the contours so again but that was we picked it because we liked it but Dan and his great staff will come up with the with, with the right areas to meet your all's
2: goals. Okay, okay,
0: I'm thank gonna you. I'm going to move to Supervisor Kershaw. Supervisor
2: Kershaw. Thank you, Chair, and and thank you, Mayor um, Littleton, and, and uh, is it Bernard? Is that? Thank you for being here and staff as well. Um, so, um, Mayor, you have, you've you've kind of hit on something I've been kind of kicking around ever since I was on this board in the last three and a half years, trying to figure out how to make a TDR program work, and um, I think that. The great thing about a TDR program that I have always liked is it kind of removes the, the government as the middleman and allows really for the free market to work. And I think the counties that I've looked at, including Frederick and Winchester Frederick area, Frederick County has them. Falk has a TDR program. We're one of the only counties that has a, still a significant rural area that really doesn't have a TDR program source, at least in the general DC metropolitan area. So I think, it, I think it's something very worthwhile looking at. And we also have an additional advantage that those counties do not have. They normally look at development right, trading development rights in one area for more higher density, and it's generally housing or some level of commercial. But we have a data center industry that we could potentially capitalize on. I really appreciate what um, the chair has said here, and that is how can we also benefit the East I've been kind of kicking that thought around as well, especially in some of the areas that you pointed out in your presentation, that hey, these could potentially be less desirable areas to develop once we increase the FAR in a very specific industrial area, which I think would solve a lot of the problems that we've been kicking around here on TLUC for a long, long time, which is where do we want data? How are we gonna take people's development rights away? You know, it, And, and it could potentially solve a myriad of problems, but of course it does come with some of its own issues that would arise. Um, I mean, I think also just the, the road construction that we're needing now, the infrastructure, it could be more concentrated potentially. I mean, I think really this concept that you've presented to us today, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is significantly concentrating our data center development, benefiting places perhaps as Supervisor Turner said, in, in the East, but in largely in the West as well. I love the concept of hey, if we if we can trade development rights and give a little bit higher value to those areas specifically. One of the things that we are as a board looking at, and that is the prime ag soil areas, mm-hmm. maybe a 1.2 ratio or however that works. So you, if you've got x, you know, 20 acres of prime ag soils, you get a higher conversion for that. Um, over to um, your expansion of a, of a data center. I think that is a great and very quick way. Now one of the things, and thanks first of all, also for meeting with me the other day and going through all this, I had a lot of questions. I think you answered them all. I'm sure we have a lot of questions, but I think this is a very worthwhile endeavor to investigate and see if we can, because we can be very deliberate in how we decide what this looks like. It's not something that's broad-based, it's hard. We can literally control receiving and sending areas. So one of the things that you had mentioned to me in our conversation was you got you you would guesstimate and I and um maybe That's that, a great
3: word, guesstimate. Yes. I like
2: it. Perfect. But yep. but seventy to eighty thousand acres of the bulk land, and I think you kind of went through that exercise early, that really is developable. And and when you and I don't know if you mentioned it in your presentation, but I assume all those little dots that popped up on that land, potential joinable land that could be developed over twenty acres, et cetera, that that, that was the eighty seventy or eighty thousand acres you thought. Is, am I correct about that? It's it's
3: it's actually everything in Loudon. So even even on that map where a, a, a lot is a hundred acres, but it's on steep slope, it, it's still a hundred acres, so it still meets the clusterability. Even though you couldn't build on it, so but yeah, when you look at all those dots on that map, the overwhelming majority of them are right in the middle of 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 the rural policy area where we want to save the prime agricultural soil. So absolutely,
2: okay, so I think that's that's pretty achievable. Now, I don't know how fine-tuned, and maybe this is something staff can weigh on and if they want, what's interesting to me, and I think we would deve- delve into the process is how fine-tuned we could actually get. Is this, is this a, something that we could do parcel by parcel and say this parcel's eligible, this parcel's eligible, this parcel's eligible, and create a map within our mapping system, or would we have larger areas? Do we know, or is that still unknown?
6: The specifics are unknown, but yes, you could go parcel by parcel to create. You you wouldn't want to pick a parcel here and a parcel there, but you could collect a cluster of parcels right. um, as one of those
2: receiving or sending areas. Yes. Right, and obviously those parcels that were previously identified could put kind of general areas of those parcels and major areas where we have prime ag could be captured in that as a as a um, as a uh, field of. Okay, I'm going to move on. Yeah, go ahead. I'm I'm going to take the whole next here. Thing, right? Let's move yeah. on to the next.
4: Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I may need another round too because I'm going to have a lot of um, questions, comments. First of all, thank you. There's a lot of work has been done on this, and um, I do appreciate it. it. It does, you know, these are one of these times that as county chair, I kind of go, okay. Is anyone not benefiting? And I do think that, that this is not as beneficial for the East as, as the West, but we can talk those three things through. And I realize that this is, um, you, you, although a lot of work was put in it, it's still kind of in its infancy. Oh, and sure. A lot more work can come to it and, and a lot more we can weed things out. I will say first, I really appreciated your two slides on data centers, the pros and the cons. Often people kind of go, you know, well, not often, but sometimes people go, they're all good and they're nothing but good, or they're all bad, and neither of those things are correct. There are pros and there are cons, and you hit on both of them very clearly. Having said that, when I talk to residents, even people who I very very clearly detail how much data centers are saving us, saving them in tax dollars, their comments are almost. Almost without I me, mean, no, no kidding. Ninety-five percent of people in the East. Please stop building data centers. Just please stop building them. They do not really care that it's saving tax dollars. They have said to me, "I'll pay more in taxes." I mean, I've heard that over and over again. I was. I also have just a couple of questions. Well, I have a lot of questions, but let's start off with this. When you all talk about Primax oil, what I've learned over, um, over the past m- months is that the term prime soil is something very specific there are i think eight different types of soils and um that are buildable that you can build on and only one is primex soil specifically so are you talking about soils that, are, that that's buildable or that, are you literally literally talking about primex soil
3: so so it, it's a great question i absolutely did not intend or do i want to create any confusion with the primax soil zoan that's going on so <laughs> yeah okay so I think the best way to, to look at this way and maybe to phrase it this way is land that is farmable.
4: Farmable land. Okay. That's much that's probably the best way to say it. That's a lot more helpful. So you're saying that, so then the thirty five percent is farmable land. Correct. Okay, that's that's Correct. that's that's much more helpful. Thank you. I I did think that too. That that although the discussion about the data center data centers was a really realistic discussion, I also thought that the maps that showed um, what is possible by by right was not so much realistic, but the worst possible thing outlook that. Oh connected.
3: sure, that was Buddy's map. So okay. we had to have a starting. point. No, no, place.
4: not the data center so, map. Yeah. The other map. The 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 map of 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 parcels in the West that could be that are oh. that could have housing. It was like you know at the at the very worst this is what it could look like and that's okay because you have to know the very worst is you know right. But I don't. What's I don't authorized by zoning? Yeah. Yep. But I don't know. But I don't know that I believe it's the most realistic thing. It's it's the worst possible thing. Sure. And um, Things change over time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you hope that that never happens. Having said that, was the assumption for that map, especially that last map, where you had the you know the. The purple and the black and all the different colors was the assumption that the only thing that would happen or could happen to some of those lots in the West was housing. That nothing else could happen on there because, you know, one of my um, one of my goals since I've been chair is to talk about how do people how can you make money off your land if you want to keep it in farmland? Let's do that. But my the challenge has been no matter what I have presented or we have talked about. Um, a lot of times Western Loudoun County says, absolutely not. You know, we were doing the comp plan and it was, people came to me and said, please put in the comp plan that we can have solar arrays in our, in our, in the comp plan. And we put that in, I, we come back, you know, and then, and then those literally the exact same people said, no way, no solar arrays. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, I, we, we've talked about, um, um, drones because you you don't you you literally don't even put anything on the land no way no how drone so no matter what we say it's like no 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 sure so when when you were showing us all those little parcels of land was the assumption that nothing would happen there if it 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 would be housing or nothing
3: no the assumption was like route seven it is that is what could be done by right today and so what will happen with that land is but, but, but
4: housing doesn't, it could be done. It doesn't have to be the only. No, no, no. I, okay. I, I
3: understand. But I mean, the way I always look at zoning is um, I mean, in the town, we just literally had a zoning text amendment request where a person wanted to change an entire district to allow a hotel, right? And sure. so, because there was a proposal on the table. Yep. And our, you know, one, a lot of folks said, well, that, that would be a nice development. And I said, well, wait a minute. There's 40 parcels in this zoning district. You're now making this an allowable use in all of them. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Yeah, because you can't do spot zoning. Right, exact, yeah. it, it, that's exactly right. Yeah. So that map is a representation of what could, what could okay. know, that, right. that, that that's a cluster helpful. development lot or a okay. cluster development is authorized there. That, that's that, the way to look that, at it. That helps. And I would, I would add one other thing. Uh-huh. And, I, and I, I meant to mention this at the summit and I totally forgot. Those dots are not to scale. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, every one of those dots is so you can see it. That dot's probably 200 sure, acres, sure. right? Well, so, it's 20
4: acres or more. Or right, exactly. Yeah. It's more. not yes, the scale, I got that, yeah. yeah. I, I'm still confused by improved meant there is one house already there. I I'm, I don't know what you're trying to say on that. So minute. improved, so
1: that's, Unimproved would be I, I bought 10 acres of land and there's no house on it. I just, it's just interesting I that just they're calling
4: a, a, piece, a, a home on the land is a imp, improved when you don't, that's what you actually don't want. That's why it's like, it's a, that's why I kept saying, are you saying improved or approved?
3: No, no, it improved. improved. Yeah.
4: It's, it's, it's a real estate term, it's a real uh, estate so improved, term. So, improved land is ah. anything that is not. Okay, thank Sorry. you. Because I'm thinking, why is it why is it an improvement if you don't want a house and there's a house there? Okay. No, it
3: has an improvement it's, on it. It's, okay, it's, it's, it's a real estate a, term. I did not know that
4: real estate term. Or
3: a subjective yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: look at whether a it's not let not be throwing around fancy real estate terms. We can <laughs> call it damaged, <laughs> <laughs>
1: damaged land.
4: I, I would have understood that actually. <laughs> that would have made more sense to me. Um, uh, I, I have more. you can stop because I have. I, uh, them, uh, I can. Uh, we can come back. Do, yeah, let's move over. Okay i'll have more thank you very much we'll be here
1: (laughs) i don't have much to say um i think it's great i would love to see some of these ideas happen and by the way thanks thanks to all of you i know you've all put a lot of work into this and mora who's here and lots of other people who are not here Um, very impressive work but it's it's simple but it's really hard (laughs) to get to Um, a lot of great work by our county staff, and in working with the public would need to take place. And I think we've already identified that TDRs is something we wanna do. Now we got a few more ideas of, of how it could be done and what are the benefits and things that need to be considered legally and all of these other considerations that need to happen. But I think KEY IN IT IS WHEN YOU'RE IDENTIFYING THE SENDING AREAS AND THE RECEIVING AREAS IS GOES BACK TO WHAT SUPERVISOR TURNER AND uh, CHAIR RANDALL AND all, BASICALLY ALL OF MY COLLEAGUES HAVE SAID IS THAT IT HAS TO BENEFIT THE EAST AND THE WEST AND I THINK IT WAS A GREAT IDEA. YOU HAVE TO HAVE SOME OF YOUR SENDING AREAS BE IN EASTERN LOUDON. THEY CAN'T ALL BE IN WESTERN LOUDON. AND SO there needs THAT'S THE BEST WAY TO HAVE A BENEFIT FOR EASTERN LOUDON IS HAVE SOME SENDING AREAS IN EASTERN LOUDON. And if you, if, you, if you set it up right, if you set it up wrong, you'll have the, the, fo- the developers in Eastern Loudoun target all of the sending areas in Western Loudoun County first just because it's cheaper. But if you set it up right where they get more incentives so it's just about equal, they get more incentives if they go to a, an Eastern Loudoun sending area and buy there then. It'll, it could work, and it could do exactly what or we you want. We
0: set it up so they're paired. Yeah. So that you can't just buy one of east each. East or West. You've got to buy combined. You could have to buy one in one. Yeah. Or
3: 25, 75. That's, yeah.
0: that's
3: a
1: great idea. And if we were able to get to that point, Yeah. win-win for everyone. And we're talking, it's private money. It's not taxpayer dollars that, that are funding this. And... You know, with less housing that we would be building in the West and less whatever that we would be building in the East, um, that's a lot less infrastructure that we're going to need, and that's a lot less public money again. I mean, it's just way less money that we as a county would be spending in taxpayer dollars. And, you know, a lot of what we do is controlling development, and we would have a lot more control over where things are being developed and where they're not being developed. And I think, I think if we can get there, which I, I think we can, just a matter of the will of the board and, and the public, then it's gonna be great. I don't think I'll be on this board at that point when we get there, but uh, I, we've already started the idea, we're moving in that direction, and now we're getting good ideas along the way to, to focus, you know, the work. Thank you.
7: Um,
0: I'd like to just ask a couple of questions of staff here real quick. So right now the pdr program analysis is tabled for i want to say fall of 24 do i have that right Summer.
6: no we we anticipate bringing an item to finance this fall
0: this fall okay um do you need a recommendation from tluck to include a tdr discussion with this pdr discussion in that in that that the item you're going to bring to finance
6: i think it'd be very much premature to bring a TDR program at that same time. We, there would have to be a lot of nuts and bolts worked out before we could bring that forward for further consideration.
0: Okay, so let me ask it more open-ended. If, if it sounds like we have a consensus on TLUC that this is a good idea we ought to look at further, what would a next step be that staff would be comfortable with?
6: Where we, where we ended when we last discussed an idea similar to this with TLUC a couple of uh, years ago was for a market study to see what the market might look like for such a program. So that would probably be the next logical step if we were gonna keep moving forward.
0: Okay, we'll think about that. Thank you very much. Um, let's do another round. Uh,
5: I think Mr. Kirsten was before.
0: Well, I was gonna go the same. Oh, okay, right. okay. okay. Either way, we'll defer, Supervisor Glass.
5: Thank you. Uh, it, so my question is when we, for for TDRs, when we talk about um, um, putting, you um, we call it prime egg soil into conservation. Is that is the is that um, land usable or is it just not used at all? So like would someone still farm on it? Yeah, would someone still farm?
6: Okay. Yes, if there's a conservation easement there there typically are still other uses that can occur. It's just a limited amount of them.
5: Okay. What are the what are the limitations what could they use on it
6: i mean it varies easement by easement but out west it's most commonly agriculture agriculture related uses parks maybe recreation i mean it's but it's it tends to be things where there's not a lot of building like actual buildings being placed on the property
5: okay and so on the eastern side where you have more suburban areas if we put you know certain lands if if we're saying we're not going to use that for data centers is could we would there be like a limitation of what could be built on those parcels as well
6: well in order for the for the transfer to actually occur yes you would have to place a limitation on the properties that are sending the right somewhere else um right sitting right here at the table right now i do not know the the feasibility of transferring a, the, the square foot of a specific use to another property for a specific use mm-hmm. or if it would need to be something broader than that because when you're transferring a residential unit from one place to another or to the square footage of commercial, you are not building that unit. If we take the potential for data center out of one place and put it somewhere else, all of the other uses allowed in that district can still get up to that maximum FAR. So we would okay. need to look at the legalities and the, how all of that would function.
5: Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Supervisor Christian,
2: thank you, Chair. So, a couple questions, and this might be for Mayor. You, you, you flashed up. Sorry, I'm eating a piece of candy because I you, <laughs> to. you flashed up a statute that allows this to be done. Does that law allow to purchase just a particular type of development right? So, for example, if we went with a concept similar to what? Supervisor Turner mentioned and that is, hey, we'll de- we'll sell development rights for data centers on parcels that will put those up for sale under the TDR program. Could those rights under that statute potentially be developed or would it have to be extinguished all development rights or don't we know that? Is that- I, I don't know the answer. I, you know, Supervisor Turner comes up with, you know, that's what I
3: love about this TDR program is there's so much flexibility you can really define your future i had not never, never even thought about that from that from like the route seven corridor so you'd have to i'd have to go back and read it but the authority granted in the state code is very broad yeah i mean it's like pick a sending area pick a receiving area define the metrics of success that you want and you can do it by sending and receiving area down to you know as dan mentioned a lot so yeah. if you want to go that level of detail,
2: you've got that control. So yeah. that would be a legal question for Leo. Okay. Well, that's something I think, think we, even if we extend most of the development rights, like half the development rights on a lot, you could still build other things that you wanted to see in those places and through a private industry, really manage some of the things that we don't have that ability to do legally, quite frankly. And we wouldn't necessarily want to if we were going to allow the free market to work. Second question for staff mentioned a market study would that be done that w- that wouldn't be done through our staff that would be done through a private entity is that fair yes we contract that out and and I'm assuming we don't have the cost of that con. how much of a con but how how quickly could something like is that how much staff time does that take for I mean we, we would
6: be starting from scratch because this, to the best of my recollection when we brought this idea forward last time because there were other things y'all were more interested in pursuing we just tabled no, no this I understand matter, but that but so I, I, I don't really know offhand right now, we'd have to look into it.
2: Is, is that, and that, maybe that suggests that the chair is, is give, maybe at the next T, like me to give him some concept, how, how much would this take to get something at least um, something started in the pipeline? Cause I think that would be a great interest to all of us. And also I think if, if there's enough interest on the board to do that, then finally, the, the, the third question I had from a practical perspective, and I've seen several that work different ways, and, and maybe you have a particular concept, but it would seem to me like those who want to sell their, their development rights and those who want to purchase and there will be some central clearinghouse. Would that be something that's done through the county where there's a clearinghouse, or would that be a private entity that we would set up? How yeah,
3: would I, I mean, practically work? It, you know, it's a great question, right? Um, and I've actually thought about that, right? There's the, the two big things around, um, around this are Uh, Do you just let private brokers figure it out on themselves? Do you enable some type of um, online marketplace where you're not running the transaction, you're just making, you know, it's it's like um, realtor.com or something, right? The buyers and sellers find each other. Uh, We didn't think about how that would be done, uh, but it's a great question because it's key for execution, especially if you want things to move quickly. So if that would be a, county thing or that's a private sector thing or it's a state thing i think the question is it's got to be done so who does it how does it get done it, but we have not looked at that okay. i think it'd be i think it'd be critical to, to have successful execution yeah. to do that dan did you have so what we've
6: put in the previous items was that you essentially need the tdr bank um i believe we we kind of looked at it more from it being a county controlled thing but that doesn't I can't say right now that's a requirement. It's possible that it could be done elsewhere. The biggest thing for, from the state code standpoint is just that we need to have a system for monitoring the severance ownership assignment and the transfer of all of that in place. We need to be able to track it to make sure one thing here goes to one thing here.
2: Yeah, I know I know, like Frederick County, for example, I think they literally have theirs written on paper. They got receiving and sending properties, <laughs> and then they just kind of match them up. I mean, it's pretty simple. Now, this is obviously would be far more complex, but we're a far more complex county um, in what we're potentially looking at here. But we have an opportunity that may have never really been done, certainly with data center industry in the history of the United States. So,
8: Mm -hmm.
4: Thank you, um, Mr. Chairman. Um, um, Mayor, by the way, Mr. Buffington and I. Mr. Buffington supported me last year as I added the word "learn" into "live, work, learn, and play." That's where that came from. So, get get on board, Middleburg. Well, on we'll board. catch up. <laughs> um, it's a, such an interesting conversation. I actually made a motion to have TDR studied last term, and the motion did not pass, which is unfortunate. So, but I'm, it's like it's taken us four years to get back to where we were, but here we are, and good. I, Joe, I have a question for you, Mr. KROBOTH. So. Part of what, and if I'm if I don't get this right, um, Mayor, please get me tell me. Part of what Mr. Mayor Littleton is talking about is FAR and vertical building. We have been we 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 don't disallow vertical building f- to to a, to a certain height with data centers. For the most part, data centers have have we we have encouraged that already, and so I don't want people to think that. You know that if if we put something like this in place, it could just be overnight that data centers want to are going to want to go vertical. I don't know if it costs more to build vertical or what, but but this is not the first time we've asked, we've talked about vertical building, we've talked about design standards just in general. So can you tell me, uh, can you talk to me about that? What is the what is the height limit for a data center and and do we know what their, and Dan, you may know what, the, what their appetite has been for doing this, because we can put all this forward and they can say no. So. Sure,
9: the, so first of all, there are height limitations in various zoning districts, and Mr. Galindo can probably speak in more detail to this. Uh, you may You may also be aware that there are discussions in the new proposed zoning ordinance to create minimum height levels. And there are implications on certain height levels. If, if a building wants to exceed a certain height, it has to step back the building and also increase the setback on the ground. So there are implications of going higher in that regard. I don't know if Mr. Galindo wants to expand upon that.
6: I think you're, you've covered the height well. I think the one thing to recognize, and I know this was discussed um, at a previous board meeting within the past couple months, If you're setting up a transfer development rights, you're setting it up so that it's by right. So you are removing the ability to have legislative control over Ah. that transfer, Mm. period. Okay. Um, As part of that, you would have to amend the zoning to either create a new district or to amend an existing district. So you might need to take away the special exception opportunity to increase FAR or some of the modification abilities to increase height. So we would have mm. to work through all of that as well.
4: Yeah. So then that, that's. I mean, and and that's why I said before, you know, this is our first run at this, and this is in its infancy. There's a lot to work out, but that's really good to know because it does impact some of what the mayor has said to, to me.
3: If I could add something. so I did. I have spoken to several folks in the data center development community, especially you know a couple of the folks at Amazon, and a couple, couple things that came out of those conversations. Number one, uh, when you walk through it again at a high level, they said the 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 overwhelming um excitement from them was if i can get the same far at uh, the same square footage with less acreage and everything else remains the same i'm in because i am going to need to buy less land i'm going to need to pay for less utility hookups and things like that that's not just land savings it's operational savings it's staff savings it's long-term maintenance and o m costs there is a Upfront massive savings and then a long tail savings that goes along with it. The the second.
4: Let me just stop you there uh, yeah. and say, and, and I don't want to say the name of data centers because I think that's not. I shouldn't do that. But that has not been the discussion they've had with me. I, I I love that. Sure. And I hope that is what throughout the the community they feel that way. But that is not. I mean, I've I've heard you know things like the building costs them more because you may have to use different materials to go vertically. So I've heard. Other things, and so if 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 you're hearing that, that's good. But that's not I've 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 not heard that I've not heard enthusiasm about going vertically. I want them to go vertical. Or and again,
3: maybe it's vertical. So so vertical. You know, you have to use different materials if you go up to a certain point. Not if you maybe if it's 10 feet, it's the same materials. Yeah. Right. And it's also about if I buy 100 acres and I can only put data centers on 40 acres, if I now let them put data centers on 60 acres at the same height. You know, I just got 20 acres of data center yeah. for. So then the other thing that they had mentioned was. Um, oh, goodness. You, <laughs> you asked the question. And, oh, oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. I know what it was. Um, it, from a from a zoning perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they have told me that they are very gun shy coming in for legislative approvals for additional FAR and additional height because it's an expensive process, it's a lengthy process and you know they feel that sometimes there's a, a negative connotation that goes with uh, you know there's there's a community aspect to it that that <laughs> that, that that is you know is well, whether founded or not is is is
4: you know, it's hard. Just, so they, 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 they would love to avoid shy, that. But they they would love to avoid shy, that, but they're doing it. And I mean, every time we have a data stream discussion, it is yep. a special exception for this or this or this or this. It is, it is constant. So I, I mean, they may be gun shy, but they're not. They're doing it. Um, my other question is, and I, I this, this is going to be a hard one, right? Okay. There, there is a place, an area of the transition policy area. That is ripe for data center development right now because if you go out there, it is nothing but um, power lines and a water source, and by the by the county line and all those types, it's all that types of things. I think we all know the area we're talking about. I don't want to put a name on. I think we all know the area we're talking about. We have said, you know, and I, you know, I, I've said a couple of times about this area. I, I said no before I ever saw the area, and once I saw the area, I thought, huh. I don't know what else you would put here besides data centers. Uh, I mean, you can put, it's an industrial area. It's an industrial area in the transition policy area, but it's a very industrial area already. What would be, in this whole discussion, an appetite for doing this a TDR, but, but, the, but the receiving area is an, an already prime industrial area in the transition policy area? Um, so I've,
3: I've been on the tour. I've been on the three hour tour and it wasn't Gilligan's Island. Um, so, uh, you know, in that parcel in, in, in specific, uh, you know, I'll just say at a policy level, um, you know, I'm always very reluctant to state hard policy in a comp plan and say, you know, we shall do specific things and not specific things in a specific area. And then. You know, two years later, go, oh, yeah, but. That, you know, and that's the
4: spot zoning. This 2,000 acres yeah. is fine. And that's, right? that's, that's the spot zoning discussion because, right. hopefully, I mean, it, it is. I mean, if, if we could do spot zoning, that would be what what would happen there. That's that discussion that we, you know, yeah. that, that that I guess by law, we're not, by Virginia code, we're not allowed to do that. So we no, say we transition policy areas, transition policy area, and then we have this whole area where. It, it just makes sense and you can't and you, and you still well, can't do it.
3: I, I would argue that it makes sense for industrial uses. It doesn't have to be data center. No,
4: no, and I said that. I said, So so I mean yes, if yeah. you, we're we're yeah.
3: I mean we spoke yeah. to yeah. the Flex space community. Yeah. yeah. They're having a lot of pressure now. Oh my we gosh, need are those they flex ever spaces yeah. for the goods and services so yeah. maybe you give an FAR incentive if they do Flex. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it doesn't have to yeah. be the data
4: center. And truthfully, listen, I I would I, I, I'm not sure that there's anyone, maybe that one, one other colleague of mine who talks about the importance and the need for more flex space, but let's face it, you know, people who are selling their land want to sell it to data centers for obvious reasons. This we know. And so, yes, yes if, it, if, if that could be flex industrial, that would be, I mean, any, uh, truthfully, all, we need so much flex industrial, I would have most of these parcels go that way. But that's just not realistic, and again, you know, one thing about you and I, we have a very realistic relationship, and we talk very frank, and, and no one who could, who, if they can sell up a data center, then they will, because of just the money. That's just true.
3: Sure, and and what I would add to that is, in that area that you're specifically talking about, data centers aren't authorized.
4: Yeah, I know. Just because someone has the
3: ability to potentially make yeah. the... Uh, that's why I asked the question. That's why, that said, we should. that's why I
4: said, that's why I asked what's yep. your appetite for that, that's, that's because... If they were da- if they were it was available, we could spot zone it. It's not because it's in the TDR. So yeah, TPA TPA TPA. Jeez. already been a long day. It has already. So that's all the you know I I, I that's all the questions I have, Mr. Chairman. I will say that first of all, again, thank you. Clearly, there's been a lot of work done on this and a lot of thought done 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 on it. I do think that you know I want to dig into it more before I go. Kind of, let's go. Um, I I. I have always believed in having a TDR program. I know we're not maybe ready to make that that motion yet, but when we are, I'm happy to put that motion on the table as I did before. Um, but but I also want to make sure that that you know this really is just as good a deal for East as it is is the West and, and and I would just need to have to, to do more and talk more and talk with you more but no, I really no. appreciate you being here though.
3: Chairman, I really appreciate it. I um, um, you know, our our job is to make this as easy for you guys as possible. Anything we can do, anything we can share. Um, I know, you know your number. We're, we're here to help. I,
4: I, I have your phone number. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, just to wrap up the conversation here real quickly. Um, Uh, A couple of things. First, I read an article a couple of years ago that the optimum height of a data center is three stories, that the cost per megawatt goes down to three stories and up above three stories. I don't know if that equates to 60 feet or not, but it did talk in terms of stories. Um, The second one is it occurred to me that you could also create a situation whereby – uh, you don't necessarily have to buy an extinguishment of the data center rights on a PDOP parcel along Route 7, for example. You could just do a one-for-one purchase of the FAR. So buy down the FAR, which is maybe .45 or .6, just buy it down to .1. So you could still theoretically build a data center, but you can't go over .1 FAR because they pur- they purchase the FAR directly from the property. Yeah. Um, I, 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 What I'd like to do, and staff, let me know if you're okay with this. I think we have consensus that we would like to go a step further and maybe get a study of how we would go forward, what we would do to include this. Is that enough direction to staff to come back at the next TLUC meeting, kind of give us an outline of what next steps might be or a subsequent TLUC meeting, or do you need a motion? How do we move this forward?
9: Mr. Chair. Mm I would suggest that you consider um, asking DPZ to include this as part of the work plan discussion that comes to you on a regular basis, and our next work plan is July? Yes. Second. For first meeting in July, I think we're targeting? Yes. So if that's acceptable to the committee. That,
0: that works for me. If we could just include that in DPZ work plan, and then... Um, a couple of the criteria that I think we've touched on in this discussion, um, the feasibility of a TDR program and the characteristics of the TDR program should be that it has to benefit the East and the West. It cannot just benefit the West exclusively. Um, and I, I'm going to leave the aperture that wide open. It's just it. It. We want to see benefits both east and west. However that program would look and whatever permutations you'd have to go through to make that work. That's that's a key feature of the program. Um, and I, anything else anybody can think of? I just The TDR is not going to go anywhere uh, if we're punishing one part of Loudoun County in order to help another part of Loudoun County. So that's the critical concept. But yeah, just roll it into the DBZ program. I do not if we don't need a motion, is that enough guidance? Uh,
9: I believe that PDRs and TDR, the concept of those is already a topic in the work plan, but TDRs are currently on hold, but are a component of that.
0: Okay.
4: Mr. Chairman, may I ask Mr. Krobach a question? Sure. Mr. Krobach, why are TDRs on hold? I'm sorry, Madam Chair. I didn't why are TD, why, you said you said TDRs are on hold? Is it just because of the work plan? There's so much going on right now with it?
9: That and that that's, was the prioritization.
4: Okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, what I
0: thought. Action right. by the board. Yes. Right. Thank you, sir. And just to be clear, so the direction is, we the PDR program is in the D, the DPZ work plan. It's on hold right now, and our desire is to roll in a concept for TDRs as part of that discussion. So that becomes a package of PDR TDR discussion that remains on hold, but is now loaded into the work plan.
6: So right now, my, my conceptualization of this is that we already have a, a paragraph about PDR that we're updating you about where things stand. Um, at the end of each of the sections of the work plan, we mention new ideas and new things that have come up. So with the one in July, we'll mention this discussion and come back to you with some of the information that you've asked about so that then the board can consider whether to add that to the work plan formally, what the prioritization should be, and things of that nature.
0: Okay. And I, I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about a marketing study funded out of end of end of year fund balance. That's kind of floating around out there. But any other questions or any comments or thoughts? Chair. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry.
2: My only thought is, um, obviously, we these things take time. I understand that. Um, obviously, the sooner we can get this moving and into the pipeline, because I I do think there, I do think we're going to get into this and we're going to realize hey we can do something here so i think it's going to be something that's going to work how it actually ends ends up working and nuts and bolts at the end of the day is kind of the big question but the sooner we can kind of get that in the work plan i mean i would even when we get to the discussion of the work plan i would be even willing to potentially move this in front of the pdr program because we kind of know how that generally works but we've already done some work on that but i I just want to express my sentiments on that
7: great
0: well mayor littleton and is it mr bernard yeah, Mr. Bernard and Mayor Little, thank you very much. It's a very good presentation, very just chock full of great information, and uh, thank you for all your hard work, and um, we will probably invite you back. That's
3: great. Well, thank like, again, thank you all for your time. We really appreciate it, and uh, your openness to the, to the idea, and we're here to help in any way we can.
0: Thank you very much, and staff, thank you very much for your support. We appreciate it. All right, our next item is the update on the unmet housing needs strategic plan, if we can have that team come forward.
10: Good evening. Good evening, Chair Turner, Madam Chair Randall, members of the board. I'm John Hall with the Department of Housing and Community Development. Staff and I are proud to be here this evening to present to you the third quarter's Unmet Housing Needs Strategic Plan Report. I am joined by Christine Hillick, who is our new Housing Initiatives Project Manager, who came on board uh, just in this position. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, but she is no stranger to Loudoun County government. And then our assistant director, Brian Regan, who is going to give this evening's presentation.
11: All right. thank you, Mr. Hall. Uh, good evening, Chair good Turner, members of the committee. Uh, tonight, I'll be updating the committee on the third quarter of fiscal year 2023 as it pertains to the unmet housing needs strategic <coughs> plan. Tonight is now the fifth update that TLUC will be provided regarding the plan. First, I want to provide the committee with a brief summary of the plan's third quarter fiscal year 23 highlights since the last update was provided in February, and the board certainly has been active. Uh, On January 17th, the board adopted the 2023 payment standards and utility allowances for the county's housing choice voucher program. Also on January 17th, the board adopted the proposed activities and funding allocations for the preservation of affordable housing and displacement services. This $12 million allocation in ARPA funding will be used for displacement services, rental assistance, and housing preservation. On February 21st, the board approved the loan application for Avonlea Senior Apartments for a loan amount not to exceed just a bit over $6 million from the county's affordable multifamily housing loan program. The application will have a 75-year affordability period with 130 newly constructed attainable rental units on march 21st the board directed staff to amend the multi-family affordable dwelling unit exemption found in the zoning ordinance by increasing the minimum number of stories for multi-family attached buildings that are exempt from the adu program from four or more stories with an elevator to eight or more stories with an elevator and further directed staff to proceed with incorporating these envisions into the zoning ordinance rewrite also on march 21st the board authorized the county to become a participating jurisdiction in the Home Investment Partnerships Grant Program for the very first time, and made an appropriation of county resources in the amount of $234,368 to satisfy the required 25% local match to secure home funds in the amount of $515,632 for fiscal year 2024. And on March 29th, staff from DHCD In conjunction with staff from the US Department of Housing and Urban Development held a Housing Choice Voucher Landlord Workshop, which informed current and prospective landlords and property managers of the benefits of participating in the Housing Choice Voucher Program and opened an opportunity to have questions answered by county and federal staff. Uh, Happy to report that approximately 27 landlords were in attendance. Within the plan, annual attainable goals are defined as any housing for sale or rent entering the marketplace each year. Affordable to families with incomes at or below 100% of the area median income. As an informational aside to the committee, uh, the updated AMI for the region was released this week and now stands at $152,100, which is a $9,800 increase from 2022's AMI of $142,300. Such housing can be directly provided through county programs such as the Affordable Dwelling Unit Program or indirectly provided through initiatives such as down payment assistance or rental subsidy assistance programs. This slide shows the county's attainable housing goal for each year through 2040. The top line in blue represents the total number of units to be provided for each year. And the bottom line in orange represents the number of new units that will be provided. The delta in between are the uh, what we consider the access to units. Uh, and for fiscal year 23, the annual goal is 500 units with 350 of those considered new units. What you see on this slide is a summary of what the uh, the county has accomplished in fiscal years 2021 and 2022. In summary, over the last two fiscal years, the county was able to provide 473 attainable housing options for those that desperately need affordable housing in Loudoun County. DHCD is pleased to report that nine months into fiscal year 2023, the county has already surpassed the number of units provided in all of fiscal year 2022 and has equaled the number of units provided in fiscal year 21 and is in the midst of its best year thus far in terms of attainable unit production. The county is holding fast to its aggressive goal of providing 500 units this year, including 350 new units and 150 opportunities for households to access attainable housing. During the third quarter of this fiscal year, the county and its partners provided 20 new units and 39 opportunities to access units. 53% of these units were related to rental, and 47 percent were related to purchase so almost an equal 50 50 split there thus far this fiscal year the county and its partners have provided 149 new units and 142 opportunities to access units for an overall total of 291 units it is important to note that a pipeline of units is accumulating as a result of the county's affordable multifamily housing loan program as it stands right now approximately 440 new attainable units Are slated to be delivered in fiscal year 2024 or soon thereafter from this funding source alone and not taking into account any of the county's existing programs. On the left hand side of the chart, the area median income level corresponds with the household that has been assisted. In this third quarter, a majority of households that were assisted with rental units earned under 50% of the area median income, uh, which is currently $76,050 for a household of four, and a majority of households that were assisted with uh, four purchase units earned under 70% of the area median income, which is currently $106,500 for a household of four. In addition to the numerical targets and board actions, the staff report also includes a summary of DHCD's robust community outreach efforts between the department and key external partnerships and the board's January approval of a rezoning at Belmont Park, which will add 16 for purchase attainable units to the county's inventory. And at this time, staff will gladly take any questions that you may have.
0: Thank you, Mr. Is it Regan or Regan? It is Regan. Regan. Thank you. That's what I thought when I heard Don say. Uh, Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Let's do three-minute rounds. Uh, Chair Randall. Um,
4: Thank you, Mr. Regan. Thank you, Mr. Hall. So um, I just finished writing my State of the County Address, and there's a large section in there about um, our our future housing program, which is going very very well it is it is pretty astounding how well we're doing for having, for when we passed as a future housing program, so I really really appreciate the uh, the work that staff is doing um, so let's just start with that and 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 now I have questions <laughs> um, i I recently um, had a community meeting with um, New Virginia majority. Room was absolutely packed, probably a hundred people in that room, and the message that that they gave to me is that they're, they're very well aware of some of our new housing initiatives, but but for whatever reason, the opportunities are not reaching that community and i know we're trying to do a lot of community um, outreach or inreach or whatever the terms are that we're doing right now are we putting everything in in multiple language what are we doing because i because i i, I was i was surprised at how um, how vocally and how virulently they they felt like that they were that their that our efforts although um, many were not being felt by that community That's one of my questions. The new attainable units that you just spoke about, are those all for rent or are any of those for purchase? That's my second question. Have we done anything or is there anything we can do in working with some of our our, um, landlords of our bigger apartment buildings, the larger apartment buildings, to talk about the issue that of when someone is renting an apartment, it doesn't always report a positive on their credit rating if they, miss it it we report a negative on their credit rating but when they're paying it on time it doesn't report a positive on their credit rating which means when they go to buy a house they don't have a credit rating which actually is a is a problem um the ami you talked about is that i think you said 152 is that for a family of four that was for family of four yes yes ma'am and my last question is about the displacement money so when we have displacement money we have we have funds for displacement and i i i agree that the you know we the funds should be used for displacement and not for rent buy-down because rent buy-down especially if it's a six-month rent buy-down you're not you're just not going to get to that many families and it's just the, the money's just not going to go as far but when we have displaced you know displacement issues where are we putting those people i mean because a lot of times there's nothing that is as as they're not going to pay the same they're going to they're going to pay more um unless we're moving them to other counties. Are we doing that? Where are we putting money, where are we putting people who are being, taken advantage of our displacement funds? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Vice-Chair. Oh, are
0: they gonna respond? Okay.
10: Go ahead, Mr. Okay, thank you. We're, we're going to, um, uh, assigned the question, so Ms. Hillack was just our community development uh, out- outreach uh, staffer before uh, being promoted into this position so I was going to see if she can respond a little bit about the question to the, the outreach opportunities for uh, New Ma- New Virginia Majorities um, membership.
8: Good evening. Um, It's nice to see you all. Nice to, um, very excited to be in this new position. As Mr. Hall said, I'm moving out of the position which was community development specialist, um, and that position is uh, focused on uh, community outreach and public education. Um, To answer that question, just to give a little bit of information, there is a summary of all of our outreach efforts in each of the quarterly reports, um, but just to give some examples of some of the efforts that we've taken recently. Um, we, were, um, we do try to be at as many community events as we can, um, with our um, you know, staff being the size it is. We, we um, recently were at Latino Festival, um, which was held at the Shenandoah Building um, on May 7th, and we do try to attend, like I said, as many of those events as we possibly can. We find that really to be very effective to be actually out in the community talking to folks. Um, And then we are looking at translating um, our materials into multiple languages. And just one example, we did recently uh, translate some of our key documents for the Affordable Dwelling Unit Program into Spanish. Um, And so we will continue to look at that and and address those needs.
0: Thank you, Mr. Vice Chair.
11: Oh, just to refer back to rental so the numbers of the attainable which numbers were you referring to uh, whether or not they were new, the purchase or rental
4: I I gosh I got to go back and look at it it was no, were 440, the 400,
11: and the, 400 those are, are rental those are
4: all rental yes ma'am okay
11: and in terms of the of the landlord with the credit reporting as of right now there is nothing in Virginia code that says that positive reporting has to be Uh, a factor however we highly encourage it and think it would be useful for the next legislative program to do so because like you said there is um you know a lot of clamor from our communities where you know you miss one single payment you could be on time for 10 15 20 years uh, and nobody, well, nobody, the cure bureaus would have no idea, but you miss one single payment for whatever reason, and it's a big red flag. Exactly. Um, so um, whether that or putting it into one of our criteria for our funding to make sure that that is a possibility, but I think a lot of the time it has to go to um, uh, personnel at the community to actually do that every single time, yeah. and, the, yeah. and the
4: funding yeah. at the, and the cost. Uh, yeah, that's, that, is, that is correct.
10: And the fifth, or the fourth question uh, that you had, actually, I guess it was the fifth, the fourth question was the AMI, which we answered, uh, which is 152, um, by, which was published by HUD just two days ago. But the fifth question is, uh, what are we doing with our displacement dollars and where are, people, where are we putting people? So the, the ARPA uh, dollars that were allotted to us, we have um, drafted the RFP, it has not been published yet. It's going through the review. Uh, and we expect to have that um, published within the next 30 days. Uh, with that RFP, we are anticipating engaging third-party contractors to actually do the assessments of the families to figure out what, what their needs are and to uh, if, if the households must be displaced to relocate them in places primarily where they can afford, where it's sustainable. Uh, not necessarily uh, the priority is to, to uh, place them outside of the county, we, we are working internally to leverage as many programs as possible uh, so that we can provide um, alternative housing for residents who are or have housing instability. One uh, example I'd like to give is with our Housing Choice Voucher Program, we are working to, um, actually we have called in all 160 households that are on that particular waiting list. Uh, so far, uh, we, we've had three out of our four sessions and only 21 households of the 160 have, have uh, shown up. Uh, the last particular event will be uh, tomorrow. Uh, and so it, whatever those numbers are, we will, we will process their formal applications and determine eligibility and issue vouchers to those who, who may be eligible uh, using um, any available resources we have out of our Housing Choice Voucher Program, as well as our incoming Home Investment Partnerships uh, grant where we can use tenant-based rental assistance to, to help those families or additional families as well. Uh, so those are some of the things that, that we're working to, to do to help uh, Loudoun County residents uh, achieve a st- a housing stability.
0: Mr. Vice
1: Chair, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So uh, for a while now, I've been asking for regional information, and you included it in this item, so thank you so much. I just have a couple questions about that because I'm trying to track our goal of 16,000 by 2040 or 16,000 new affordable units in Loudoun by 2040 and see how that jives with the regional plan. And what, well, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying in here is that the best regional number that you have comes from um, a target that was established in the 2019 Urban Institute report that calls for production of 374,000 new affordable homes by 2030, is that right?
11: That is correct in conjunction with the COG forecasts that were provided as well, but COG does not break it down by jurisdiction. It provided as a regional goal.
1: And is COG using that same number?
11: cog is using their own numbers and from what we heard and when we uh, from your request last time is that they cog will be breaking it down by jurisdiction over the next month or two okay. and when that information is released we' we'll, we'll send it to you and then include it in the next
1: report do you know if their goal is if they whatever number they're using is when is the forecast year to get to that number we're using 2040 are they using 2040 or 2030 or If you don't know, it's I'm not sure
11: offhand on the COG side.
10: I'm I'm not sure, and I just wanted to clarify, the the Urban Institute number that we provided in the report was in conjunction with uh, the recent um, Housing Resource Indicator tool that was released by hand, the Housing Association of Nonprofit Developers here in Northern Virginia. So that's uh, oh, the Council of Governments did not have their numbers ready for us. They'll be ready probably later this month or next month, and we'll, we'll provide that. But we wanted to to at least provide some data that we had our, our at our at our disposal.
1: So MwCog, you're saying though, is going to say what they think each jurisdiction needs to do to meet the regional I, goal I, as far as the number.
4: I thought they already they we already they already have.
11: The the goals that they provide were regional. They did not break that out. But from what we understand from their staff is that they will be introducing goals by jurisdiction over the next month or two.
1: Okay, and I, I look forward to seeing that. I'm going check on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, Madam Chair, if Mr. Chairman, if you don't mind, sure. uh, Madam Chair, if you do get that information, could you please share it with us? Because I'm, I'm just trying to figure out. You know, somebody should be looking at this.
4: And, 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 Mr. Chairman, if you don't mind, I actually chaired that board in cog. That's why I'm looking at you. You're like I chaired the, I chaired that committee in cog that did that. So that's why I'm, I'm. Um, that's been done and I will make sure you get it thank you
1: thank you Uh,
0: really quick for me uh, a couple of things Um, first um, the body language I get from this report is really good news am I am I accurately reading that it sounds like we're doing pretty pretty well yes absolutely yeah I mean that sounds it sounds like we're doing very well Um, and I want to ask a question, which i you're crazy if you don't answer yes, but I really, give me an honest answer. I get the impression that the um, plan is driving your focus and your actions to a very large extent. So I, I know that's why I say yes is an obvious answer. You're not going to say, oh, no, 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 we're ignoring the plan. I'm sure you're working with the plan. but. The, the the goal of a really good working plan is that you're referring to it every day on a regular basis you're looking at where are we on this what does this mean if this development goes in what's it going to do to our our uh, our goal chart is that accurate is that kind of how you're using it
10: yes that, that is that is very accurate we look at the the key action items uh, as our drivers to you know how many can be accomplished in a on a reporting cycle a quarterly uh, cycle
0: great great cuz it, it that comes across um a couple of questions does staff take into consideration affordable housing inside the towns as part of your count yes okay good um the adu program after 15 years they can they can uh leave the adu program and sell the house market rate um but the county has right of first refusal. Have we bought those? Have we? Are we buying those houses? Is there any program to do that?
11: No, and the rationale is, if the county were to purchase after 15 years, they would need to be bought at market and not the ADU value.
0: Okay, so that that basically discourages us from buying the house.
11: We would have to buy it at market. Yeah. And then essentially sell it to a certificate holder at a much lower. Sales oh,
0: got price. it. Okay, got it. So, it'd be a loss. It'd be a loss. Correct. And then lastly, um, under Objective 5, Strategy 5-2A, and this is on page 20 of the of the item here, there's a statement in there that uh, Department of Planning and Zoning incorporates the TLUC recommendations for the criteria when evalu- evaluating land development pro- proposals during the interim. We checked with DPC and the answer we got was no, they're not. So the plan is saying that the new T luck to prove criteria. And I want to say it's for suburban, maybe I'm mixing apples and oranges here. Hang on a second.
10: We just had this uh, E conversation earlier. So I'm gonna ask Mr. Galindo to to respond.
6: So what I clarified with staff earlier is that the uh, strategic plan includes language that essentially added to the existing general plan language specific to those suburban compact neighborhood criteria
0: it was suburban compact, and
6: then T luck did additional work on it so there's similar but differing language it's the T luck effort that still needs to be folded into the general plan and maybe it would make sense to, to amend the strategic plan so they sync up completely at that time what we're using right now is the language from the strategic plan not from TLUC's efforts so it's it's very similar but it is a little bit different
0: well but the, the current strategic plan is seven criteria, and then we had a whole TLUC discussion around revising the seven criteria, and came up with six criteria. So your, your short answer is, we're still using the plan language. We have, we're not using the TLUC recommended language, which is six criteria, correct? Correct. Okay, all right. So then that item in the unmet housing needs strategic plan probably needs to be corrected, because right now it says we are in jibe and we're not, okay? Yes. Um, uh, I had another thought there and it jumped right on my brain, so I'll go to Subra's glass.
5: Thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I actually um, thought of this question when I, I was listening to Chair Randall and she was t- talking about speaking to um, New Virginia Majority and going, um, and and um, you had mentioned you had, went, had gone, well, staff had gone to one of the events. So do we, do we have staff members that are Spanish speakers or do we have interpreters that go to these events
11: currently on staff there are three native Spanish speakers
5: okay thank you
10: and then we also outsource and contract interpreters for some of our public hearings and other special events that we have
4: okay thank you yeah thank you Mr. Chairman um it is a great idea for this to go to to, to put this in the general put this in our ledge program next year um, if I'm lucky enough to be back on this day that is exactly what we will do um, but that didn't quite get to my, my my answer my 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 question and I may have not been clear so I apologize my question is are we already doing anything to work with um, the 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 landlords or the landowners of some of our large larger um, spaces where we know a lot of people who, um, are living there are living in a, in, a, in a attainable homes and may, may need to try to start building good credit. Are we doing anything to work with those landlords to say, you know, this is how you report their paying on time. Um, this is why I report they're saying they're paying on time. Are we making any efforts to do that? And I'm, I'm asking that question because you're never, they're never going to be able to, you know, buy a home if they cannot build, build credit. And they've been, it's, you know, you live in a, an apartment for 15, 20, literally 25 years, and you've not built good credit, although you're paying it on time. So are we doing anything toward that effort at all? But I do, I think the idea of putting a LEDGE program is such a good idea.
11: Specific to that initiative, currently, no, but Okay, that's something that we can certainly, we have, you know, the, the department currently recently hired a fair housing coordinator that can certainly undertake that activity. Um, you know, we, I know that Miss Hillock is now in her new position, but the community development specialist position could provide that outreach. And that's something that we could definitely pursue over the next few months.
4: Ms. Hillock, you're going to be a very busy person, but, but what a great cause to be busy doing. So I'm so glad you're in this position.
8: Absolutely. Thank you. And that is something that is called for in the plan, is to develop a, a landlord outreach team. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. My we only already other, have our marching orders on that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> My only other and, and, and last question is, you know, there, there are times we, we really do believe we're doing everything we can possibly do to reach a community, and the community is not being reached. And it's not, it's not for lack of our good efforts. Have we actually asked them, have we said to them, what do you need us to do? Because they have leaders in that community who could answer these questions. Miss um, um, Omar, Miss um, have we said to them why do you think some of the members of this community is not being reached, and what can we do to help reach this community? Because because the very clear message to me was, thank you for all that you're doing. We know all that you know. Well, the leaders know that we're doing, but you're not you're not reaching us. It was a tough meeting. <laughs> so thank you.
0: Any other questions? Thank you all very much. We appreciate the update. Great job. Thank you. Next up is the uh, update on the uh, community approach to the FAA, if I could have staff come forward for that item. And we do have a motion at the end of this item.
6: Good evening again. Good evening. So as members of TLEC will recall, this item is related to the January 2023 adoption of the new Airport Overlay Impact District that was based on the new noise contour map for Dulles Airport and the concerns that were raised by the community, uh, which led the board to direct staff to engage the FAA to explore options for minimizing airport noise. Chair Turner's requested staff provide an update to the committee as a standing item until resolved, so we came last month, this month, and we will continue to do so. The item that was presented um, in my discussion here will summarize staff activities since the last TLUC meeting in April. We've continued to try to engage with FAA staff. Uh, On February 10th and April 5th, correspondence was sent to the FAA's acting administrator and the Eastern Division Community Engagement Officer. As of this point in time, staff has not received a formal response letter from either. On Friday, April 21st, the FAA distributed a press release indicating that the acting administrator, Billy Nolan, will retire and depart the organization at the end of April. So staff redirected our efforts to communicate with the FAA Eastern Regions Community Engagement Officer. Uh, Correspondence that was previously sent on April 5th, as I mentioned, has not yet received a written response. However, on May 2nd, staff did speak with Vado Simmons, the FAA Community Engagement Officer by telephone. The conversation was brief. Uh, She indicated that she needed to leave for a plan meeting, but she did acknowledge receipt of both of our letters, um, the one to the acting administrator as well to the one one to her. She advised that her staff is reviewing our letters and preparing a response, and she also indicated that that response would be sent from their office on Friday, May 12th. So to to date, we have not received that response yet through the postal service or by email, but we would hopefully anticipate it shortly. On April 28th, the FAA also issued a press release announcing the opening of a public comment period to submit comments on their noise policies and the metrics used to measure airport noise. The FAA is also offering webinars to help educate the public on airport noise issues and the process for submitting comments. The comment period opened May 1st and will close July 31st. And so the reason that this is an action item and not an information item is that we are seeking guidance from the committee to determine if the committee as well as the board ultimately would like the staff to prepare a comment letter for submission to the faa on this topic if the board agrees and directs staff to prepare such a letter staff will use our consultant to assist the comment preparation and we would then return to the committee for endorsement and seek board approval prior to submission regarding our consultant as previously reported we solicited proposals from engineering firms to assist the county with technical issues and complete the noise modeling This information was essential once we actually uh, engaged the FAA staff to discuss our proposed solutions. Proposals were received and we have selected Air for this assignment, and a kickoff meeting has been set for June 6th. And so that is all updated at this time. Are there any questions from the committee members?
0: Thank you very much. I don't see any lights, so I have a couple of points and questions. Um, First of all, I'm gonna make a motion here, just shortly recommending that we in fact submit a letter of comment to the for the FA noise policy, public policy, public comment period. Um, squeaking wheel gets the grease, and we've been squeaking pretty loud and pretty effectively. So I want to keep that momentum going, and we'll make that motion here in a second. Uh, second, interestingly, I was driving yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yes. I was going down to and coming back to the Arcola uh, Center. Um, Oh, what's it when you put the shovels in the ground yes thank you very much groundbreaking okay. um, and they happen to have successive departures off runway three zero straight ahead right along the route that we are advocating for and I going down and coming back rolled down the windows of the car I watched the airplanes take off they flew right down the Broad Run Valley and I had difficulty hearing them out of the car, and my estimate was by three miles, which is what we're suggesting, they were in the neighborhood of 3,000 feet. And I thought, that's what we want on every departure. I timed them, um, and I know that the answer that we've been getting is that when you maintain runway heading, you have to extend the departure separation from 30 seconds to a minute. They don't, and uh, we, if, you, if the previous airplane deviates by two to three degrees, I think is the answer, then that can go back to 30 seconds. Um, I timed the airplanes, and there was easily three or four minutes between departures from what I was looking at. So I would have perceived no impact at all based on straight ahead departures. It was a very interesting process. Um, but with that, and when oh, I, we have a question, yeah, Supervisor or Glass, go ahead
5: yes uh, chairman turner sending the letter are you talking about sending it uh, um, soon to the acting admin um, was it the acting faa administrator or are you talking about waiting until the new i think i think the acting administrator is retiring this summer so are you talking about sending sending it now or waiting until
0: I, i think i don't think it's it's acting director or director specific it's an faa a public comment period for the new noise policy and so who's ever in charge is going to get the letter and fold that into the process correct
6: right we would just submit it in the the
0: preferred form for them as part of that comment period right so this is a public comment period they're asking for it to be submitted so we i think we should submit it
5: okay so if you're familiar with um shawshank redemption and when andy Andy Dufresne <laughs> <Wow>. kept sending, <laughs> sending a letter to, uh, about getting a, 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 right. a library in there. That, that's how I feel about right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's exactly right. We'll just keep sending a yeah. letter. Man. Wow. Yeah. Surprise, Kershner. Well, he did get his library, so. Um, <laughs>
2: uh, real quick, I have a question on the open comment period for noise policy. Is that just for Dulles or is that their noise policy as a whole for the region or? I believe it's nationwide, but. Nation- is it nationwide?
9: It's, it's national level.
2: So it's national level, okay.
9: It's national policy. Re, re-examining it's, the national policy on noise and how noise is measured. Okay. Uh, how the sound exposure is. It, is,
2: is this something we should alert our affected HOAs potentially as to th- allowing them to weigh in? on this process that it's maybe something that we could do because i'm i'm not i certainly wouldn't be aware of it but for the fact that i'm on this board and i'm being told about it by our staff so it's not something we follow so it might be worth allowing them to wave in i think it would be uh, we as we could be a conduit to them to let them do that and who will who if we pass this will staff be writing the letter and then we we look at it to approve it we're working with the tluck chair How, how what is the thought process on that
9: Staff would work with HOAs, would work with our consultant, would work with other experts who are engaging with us on the issue. We would develop a draft letter, bring it back to this committee. This committee would endorse it, and then it would float up to the board for the board to endorse it. And the window of opportunity
2: closes July 31st.
0: Now, so that was my next question. Okay.
2: Thank you. That's all my questions. Okay. Mr. Uh,
4: Madam Chair. First of all, Mr. Kerbuffer, I love having you in the dance with us. <laughs> it's great. Um, mm-hmm. um, you are specific in your answers, and so thank you. Um, I just want to say that recently one of the, one of our local papers had one of those polls in there, and it was like, what, what, should you, what should be done about airport noise? And one of the answers were, stop building homes near the airport, and that answer got like 67% of the votes. We haven't approved any homes near the airport. We haven't, We this board hasn't, the last board hasn't. We haven't approved, these, these homes were entitled, I don't even know when, like 20 years ago or something. And so I just want to kind of put that out there that obviously we're not going to be dealing with this issue while approving homes near the airport um this, th- this is a the birchwood community for the most part, and these homes in and in, in this area were entitled a long time ago when the flight paths were different uh, when the flight paths were different so i just want i just want to kind of sometimes i see that type of thing and i think it's just so it's just so disingenuous and I just feel like need to set the record straight thank you mr chairman yep yeah. mr vice chair
1: thank you um Supervisor Kirshner asked my question, but to go a little further on that, are, when, we, when you are, when staff is writing the letter for us to then review, are you going to take into consideration a lot of the feedback we've already received from, especially Brambleton, and we are, you are? Yes, sir, absolutely. Okay, Okay, great. And would there be any sense in notifying just the public in general in certain areas? I mean, they can submit comments, too, during this period?
9: Yes, we can work with our public affairs uh, yeah. and communications office and uh, do see how we can spread the word and make, make Thank you. raise the awareness of FAA's opening. Thank you.
0: And, and if I can, uh, I'll make the motion here and then talk inside the motion a couple of things that I want to emphasize. I move that the Transportation Lane's Committee recommend to the Board of Supervisors that staff be directed to prepare a comment letter to the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, applicable to the topic of Civil Aviation Noise Policy, and return to TLUC and the Board of Supervisors for endorsement of the letter before submission to the FAA. Second. Seconded by the Vice Chair. Uh, discussion. Um, uh, if I could ask staff in crafting that letter One of the issues I'd like to see is whether or not we want to, in the letter, tell the FAA to mandate airports as to the nature and uh, horizon of noise studies. So we have a situation right now where an FAA-approved noise study is a five-to-eight-year lookout of likely operations in five-to-eight years. MWA decided on its own to do a full-capacity study as far into the future as Dulles would go, and the FAA doesn't recognize that as a valid noise study. I would like to see the FAA mandate, if you're gonna do a noise study at an airport, it ought to be standardized around the United States. So that it, it and I don't know if that's the right answer, but let's talk to our experts in the community to see if they agree with that. Uh, that whole thrash around which model did you use was really annoying. Um, um, and then the other thing is to, to recommend, once we get our, our draft letter or the template, um, it, it would probably be fairly easy for us to uh, pro- share our letter with the various community organizations to have them just copy that letter and put their signatures on the same letter and and to get some more to more input. I, I don't know. I'm open to suggestions on that, Mr. Groba.
9: Well, that that may be the case. Uh, I think that's a discussion for the evening that we bring the le- draft letter to you because our letter may be may have a little bit different context since we are a that's local true. political jurisdiction right. as opposed to a uh, you know an individual or or a neighborhood but it could very well be they they certainly could put a cover letter on it and say we endorse the board of supervisors letter but i think that's at that time that we look at the letter okay. the best time to do that
0: any other discussion on the motion I have no closing comments, all those in favor say aye. Aye, any opposed? That motion will pass
7: 5-0.
0: Thank you both very much, appreciate it. And we have two more items up which are bylaws changes and um, these should go fairly quickly, I hope unless there's any controversy, I didn't perceive that there were any. That's what what I'm gonna do. Good evening. Um, If you could introduce yourself really quickly.
12: Good evening, Chair Turner and members of the committee. Um, My name is Diana Inthavon. I am with the Department of Planning and Zoning. And I'm here with the Historic District Review Committee bylaws conversion. Um, With me at the table is um, the Historic District Review Committee Chairman, Mr. Carl Riedel. Um, And then uh, to my left is the Department of Planning and Zoning Director, Mr. Daniel Galindo. So there are six deviations from the board's approved template. Uh, The reason the Historic District Review Committee bylaws deviate from the template is to carry over bylaws that were previously adopted by the HGRC that pertain to the procedural functions um, of the committee and the certificate of appropriateness review process. Of these deviations, the most significant of note are Article Three, Section A1, under membership, which pertains to the HGRC's composition and sets a maximum of seven voting members. This revision was added in order to maintain an odd number of members in the HGRC's composition to facilitate a quorum. Um, this change is also proposed in order to be consistent with the language proposed with the zoning ordinance rewrite. Also of note is Article 3, Section B5, also under membership. Uh, this language was amended from the previous HGRC bylaws to address communications concerning HGRC applications. The previous language was vague, um, and so with the help of the county attorney's office, the bylaw language was amended to clearly specify the exact nature of conversations that would be inappropriate for HDRC members to engage in with applicants and to reemphasize that discussions regarding applications occur only in open meetings. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions if you have any, but thank you for your time.
0: Thank you very much. Any questions? Uh, I move the Transportation and Land Use Committee recommend that the Board of Supervisors approve the revised Historic District Review Committee bylaws as provided in attachment one of the May 17th, 2023, Transportation and Land Use Committee action item. Second by the Vice Chair. Discussion? Madam Chair.
4: Um, just to say that um, the HDRC is one of the committees that that's we we don't see a lot, but you all are doing a lot, and you do it for applications all the time. And and especially recently, I I have noticed how the uptick in, in the in the very good work you're doing. I know there's some discussions right now around the um the the Colton area in Lansdowne and just some other areas. And so, um, I I have followed the th- things you are doing, and I just want to say I appreciate you all. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Supervisor Kirchner
2: Thank you, Chair. I just, the Chair stole my uh, words. I just wanted to personally thank you. Oftentimes these ad hoc committees go without recognition. So thank you, Chair, for all the work that you do on the chair. Thank you, staff, for going through this and, and uh, following this template to rewrite this to make things a little simpler. And uh, we're always here at your service, so I appreciate all the work that you're doing.
0: Mr. Vice
1: Chair. Thank you, just to add myself to the list of thank yous, and if you could please share that with your committee and staff, thank you.
0: And I have no closing, all those in favor of the motion, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 5-0, thank you very much. And our last item is the Agricultural District Advisory Committee bylaws update. Good evening.
7: Good evening, Chair Turner, Chair Randall, and supervisors. Uh, I'm Rachel Evenchuk with Planning and Zoning Department. I'm joined by the Chair of the Agricultural District Advisory Committee, Eleanor Meredith, and of course, Director Galindo. I have no formal presentation. This item includes both the Agricultural District Advisory Committee bylaws update and the 2022 Agricultural and Forestal District's annual report. Um, The AGDAC adopted their revised bylaws at their meeting on April 3rd. There are six ways that they differ from the Ad Hoc Committee's recommended template in terms of Article Two, is the creation authority Um, which comes from Virginia Code section 15.2 4304A. Um, It also differs in terms of uh, membership and attendance, um, as again, as Virginia Code mandates the um, advisory committee to make recommendations to the uh, governing body and the planning commission. Article seven A meetings varies from the board adopted template again because of how it defines what the ADAC is uh, permitted to do, which relates to the renewal, creation, um, addition, modification, or termination of districts. Um, and. That pretty much covers it and it's also presents the annual report with data through june 30th of 2022 i'm available for any questions
0: thank you very much questions Supervisor kershner
7: thank
2: you um again thank you for all your work um i, w- I was at the two meetings ago or maybe three meetings ago and it's, it was great work to do it's really good to catch up not always able to make them but i really appreciate all that you're doing. Um, it's, it's such an important land use tool that we have. And one of the things I did notice in the annual report, which I just wanted to point out for my fellow supervisors and those who are here in the room, is the it, my understanding that the rate of renewal failures has declined significantly. And I'm assuming that's largely, I think it's now down to 3%. That—that that, is that what I what I read, I'm trying to read this a little bit ago, so it's down to like 3%, which is excellent, and I'm assuming that's because we're just doing a much better job at getting out the word, or or not getting out the word, but um, the the automatic renewal process, is that accurate? Can you speak to that?
7: That's for two reasons. Um, In 2011, the um, board required applications from parcels that are from 5 to 20 acres, which was a new requirement. And as well, there was a policy that the board began that staff agrees with, They're, we did an analysis in 2017, which provides that the districts will be four years rather than the previous 10 years. And also staff has, since 2018, at the suggestion of Commissioner of the Revenue uh, Wirtz, we've been going out into the field, if we don't get applications back, leaving additional applications um, throughout we've always been trying to get additional contact information which is easier to have when the districts are only four years rather than ten years with the active land market that there is in this county
2: okay so some of it just the shortening of the period has made a big difference and just right. the act going out and keeping that information updated
7: that's that's correct.
2: correct okay well thank you for all your service thank you for all your work I appreciate it
1: I just want to thank you as well uh, as we did with the last uh, committee and please take that back and and thank everyone on the committee from the board please thank you
0: thank you very much all of you I move the transportation lane use committee recommend that the Board of Supervisors approve the revised agricultural district advisory committee bylaws as provided in attachment one and accept the 2022 Agricultural and forestal district program annual report Provided as attachment three to the May 17th, 2023 transportation and land use committee action item Seconded by the vice chair. I have no opening discussion comments No close all those in favor of the motion. Please say aye aye Aye. any opposed That motion will pass five to zero. Thank you all very much and good evening Uh, We are before we adjourn. Mr. Krobath. I just want to ask you one thing. I like the idea of going through public affairs to issue a notice to invite the public to comment on the FAA noise policy. Do you need a motion for us to ask you to do that, or is that that part of the process?
9: No, sir, we we see this project or directive from the board to be kind of a multi-department support that includes planning and zoning, county administration, and public affairs, and that's why you see uh, Mr. Dusty Smith from public affairs sitting at the table with uh, Mr. Galindo.
0: Great. Very, very good. Thank you all very much. Uh, Mr. Galindo, thank you very much. You got a heavy lift tonight. Thank you. Thank you all. We are adjourned.